The power of the warrior says you will show up at Retromania. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Retro Junkies. I am one of your co-hosts, Landon, and with me as always, fresh from filming their direct-to-DVD release of House Party 1, the remake, Rob Luther and Nick Stevens. <laughs> woo <Woo-woo>. Sweet, sweet. <laughs> hey, we, we got a special guest today. Yeah, speaking of movies, we have another special guest today from the NES Club, Rob McCallum. Yay! Yay! <laughs> How's it going, birthday boy? It's going quite well. Thank you guys so much for having me on, even though it is early on, on the West Coast. It's a good way to start the day with a uh, conversation with you guys. Gosh, are you sure? <laughs> nope, but it could only get better then, right? <laughs> yeah. The Marlo. Rob, we're so happy to have you again, man. For those of you who don't know, Rob McCallum is director of the NES Club documentary, which is something we are so incredibly excited to see. Great to have you back on, man. Yeah, it's, uh, I had a blast last time when most of us were there. Um, <laughs> I can't remember. Who was missing from that one? No, no one really important, but it, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a good time, and I look forward to more hilarity over the next little bit. Sweet, sweet. Uh, I guess before we get started, we'll go ahead and give a whole bunch of shout-outs, and then we'll get right into it. So the first shout-out goes to Brian Rapolo, who's the editor of our website, designed uh, everything, pretty much has done 90% of the work that made us who we are. So thank you, Brian, for all that. And uh, he has a hosting company. It's at www.oneorangehost.com, so check him out. Uh, next one goes out to our buddy John. He is the administrator of the Nerds Noise Channel 1 and Channel 2 Facebook sites. If you like video game music and chip tunes, check him out. Shout out to Brent Dolan, my man who would probably get kicked out of his house reportedly if he ever bought stadium events. <laughs> uh, so he says on camera to us, great guy, world record holder, had a blast meeting up with him. You know, he does everything in his power to, to pump the retro community, and he's showed a lot of support for our, our film, The NES Club. So, shout out to Brent Zolan. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Brent is a, very active on our Facebook page and everything, and uh, just an incredibly nice guy. So, I think he's got his own Facebook page, too, called um, Extended Play Arcade. Excellent website, and he's just a classy guy, even though he's a Devils fan. So, uh, good, good guy. <laughs> All right, and then the next two are podcasts. Uh, Ferg from Atari 2600 Game by Game Podcast. Check him out. And No Quarter Podcast. We're big fans of both podcasts. Uh, uh, both are weekly shows. So, check them out. Next one goes out to the XS Gaming Podcast, Sander and James. Uh, really, really nice guys. Really enjoyed talking with James here uh, on the Friday the 13th episode. Really, really funny guy. Yeah, yeah, James, James, class act. As a matter of fact, did you notice on our Facebook page where everyone was like, "I didn't know you had Jack Nicholson on the show." <laughs> <laughs> that's the first yeah. thing I thought when I heard him talk. I'm like, "Wow, that's, here's that's good. James." <laughs> that's good. Yeah, he he was a really cool guy. Excellent podcast. Uh, Xander, he's a very cool guy. He's got a YouTube uh, channel as well. So check them out if you get the chance. Very informative. They talk about classic and modern games. Good stuff. Next podcast, Turtle Flakes. Josh and I've been kind of slacking lately with work and everything. But uh, we finally released our green screen episode uh, where we watched the second episode of the 1987 Fred Wolf cartoon called Enter the Shredder. You guys remember that one? Oh, yeah. I hear that after that series is horrible. I won't touch it. <gasps> 
That's it. I'm hanging up. I won't, I won't touch that. I heard that's like the live action one that's like available on Netflix now, isn't it? Oh no, 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 no. no. Thank goodness it's not that one. I refuse to watch that one. That's the Okay, so you know exactly what I'm And you're right, that is awful. Yes, yes. Okay. That would be the next mutation. That it only lasted one uh, season. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it was terrible. See, uh I think that came out I wanna say the year after the cartoon was cancelled, or I don't know if it was cancelled or they just uh finished up the series. But yeah, sure. after that, you know, when the Power Rangers are getting really popular, they wanted to do a live action version of the Ninja Turtles to kind of sure, compete with that. Yeah, yeah, that that'll that's work. A great idea. <laughs> and it, it turned me off right away because instead of those little headbands, they're wearing like do rags. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, anyways, yeah, we, we reviewed uh, the second episode of uh, the original cartoon, uh, and uh, that's the one that has a debut of Krang, the Technodrome, uh, Bebop, and Rocksteady. Just a monumental episode in the series, so if you haven't checked out our podcast and you're, uh, you're a nerd like us and a turtle fan like us, definitely check it out. We're on iTunes and Podomatic. That's Turtle Flakes Podcast. Shout out goes to Your Home Arcade. Uh, Dave, once again, he's a uh, builder of custom arcade cabinets. If you are in the Tennessee, Pigeon Forge, Johnson City area, he's got shops set up in each city. He can basically build you any type of arcade that you want. He has some really, really neat photos on his website, yourhomearcade.com. When we were looking at the brochures here last weekend, Rob saw one that was a wood grain that he really, really wanted. <laughs> That's right. Me of it was just like an arcade cabinet that was just unpainted, just a block of wood, basically, with, with a light-up marquee and a game on it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's old school. <laughs> That's right. Kind of leads into the next one. Uh, Retro Gamer in Canton, uh, North Carolina. Finally got to go up there and talk to Rob and Kelly, who were the store owners uh, over the past weekend. And boy, that was so fun. They were so incredibly nice. They're also helping us with an uh, upcoming event that I think, Landon, will you describe that? Uh, yeah, actually, I'm going to put my wife on here because... Yeah, get her on. Uh... <laughs> yeah, class She's, up this podcast. <laughs> she knows. Uh, she knows the little uh, the little fellow that we're going to be trying to help out with this. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to to Lori. So yeah, I just happened to be sitting back here. <laughs> Conveniently, it's okay. My I wife's watching over my shoulder too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. Um, the event is hopefully the first annual Retromania here in Canton. All proceeds from Retromania are going to be benefiting the Luke Gibson family. Luke is the third son born to Brian and Sarah Gibson. They're local Cantonites as well. Um, Luke was born on July 7th of this year, and he was born with a very, very rare brain aneurysm called a vein of Galen malformation. And what the vein of Galen does, it typically causes um, congestive heart failure and death in almost all infants. Oh, wow. um, and really how it functions, it causes blood to flow faster than normal and just overworks the heart. So uh, it really is a miracle that the little guy is still with us today. Mm -hmm. um, Luke spent the first two months of his life at Mission Hospital in Asheville and the Children's Hospital at Emory University in Atlanta. He continues to undergo weekly cardiologist appointments in Asheville, and his parents travel monthly to Atlanta for appointments at Emory as well. It's $5 to enter the tournament, and we're gonna call it Retromania, and basically we're gonna be playing three classic, three classic games, Donkey Kong, Galaga, and Ms. Pac-Man. And the combined high score will win the tournament and everything. But yeah, pretty much all our proceeds are going to go to to this family. So I think it's for a good cause. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be 80s music. So and Nick, you're you're going to come with us, huh? 
I'm planning to. Sweet. Uh, my, my wife and I are going to drive down. So. Hey, Lori, if you're still there, thank you for describing that. She just gave a thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm getting out of here. I don't want to hang with these nerds. <laughs> yeah. All right, Nick, would you promote your stuff, please? I like your show. You, you kind of like it? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad someone likes yeah. it. <laughs> if there's just one person out there, we'll keep recording. <laughs> Sweet. We got but, uh, we... like 10 of us to do intros, so a few people like it. Absolutely, man. <laughs> I, that was great, and thank you guys for that. I know, uh, Rob, you, uh, I, I put Rob on there first since he's a director. I thought, you know, that'd probably get us some. Uh... Out of all of us, he's the guy who knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boys, the illusion is working. <laughs> yeah. And I loved how uh, you know, Rob and Landon sent me two intros, and I just put them both in there. Uh, yeah. Excuse me, I had nothing to do with that second oh, one. Yeah. That was Razor Ramon, Ramon and Hulk Hogan. That's right, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, Robbie Ramon, that was great. Yeah, we just finished uh, publishing our 10th episode, Ryan and I. Ryan's uh, finally back from uh, maternity leave. <laughs> maternity leave. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call that? Yeah. I don't know what you call it, but uh, he just had his uh, third baby, so uh, you know, he, he made some time for me, finally. Thank you, Ryan. But uh, we just they got done with our 10th episode. It was a big deal for us because we didn't really know how long and well this uh, podcast would last, so uh, that was a big thing. But check us out at Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com slash Podcast. Uh, we are on the Retro Junkies website, and we do also put some things on the Retro Junkies Facebook page. Just kind of, we tr- we try to promote it everywhere we can, so everyone gets annoyed with us. I think <laughs> I, I, I put it I put it out there twice on the uh, Facebook page, and I believe I got a little uh, negative comment. So what? You, you got to be <laughs> yeah. kidding me? No, oh, I laughed geez. though. Yeah, it says I got thick skin. I don't care. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if that was the worst that was going to be said to me, I'd probably quit a long time ago. <laughs> but yeah, so check that out. We're we're having a blast on that. Um. We're probably going to not jump right back into 1990 quite yet. I think we're going to do an episode, maybe do some top five discussions of uh, certain subjects in the 90s and and get some more uh, listener interaction going on. So uh, definitely check that out. Uh, Ryan's uh, Ryan's, uh, brainstorming some ideas, and I'm going to let him uh, spearhead that. (laughs) Yeah, speaking of which, I I love the segments you guys did, Uh, especially the news one. Yeah, that was all Ryan's idea. Excellent idea. Uh, he got a little, uh, got a little intimidated, Rob, when you uh, when you filled in for him that day. Oh gosh, no! I, I listen, I listen to myself. Well, first of all, I used the wrong microphone. You know, I thought I was recording with my actual microphone during the podcast when I recorded my Audacity track, and I, it turns out it was the laptop, like the built-in laptop microphone. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I was all muffled. I, and then I must have said uh 50 million times in that episode. So he's got nothing to worry about. <laughs> and, and my laziness, I won't edit that out. I'm just like, yeah, sounds yeah. fine. But uh. But yeah, he he kept teasing. He's like, now that I know I have replacements out there, I got to step up my game. (laughs) (laughs) He he did it. It was an awesome job. I really like that new segment. Yeah, me too. But I told him, I I said, you know, you got to come up with new stuff when we hit 99 again. You can't say the same same old stuff. Maybe maybe you can mention how Gretzky retired in 99. Great one. Talk about the whole show, right? (laughs) (laughs) What's the nickname to come back? That was great. I was was wondering because he just always rolled his eyes when when I'd say something. Sure. (laughs) I I was looking forward to it. I liked my favorite one was Mariah Carey. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was the episode I was on, yes. Exactly. Yeah, that, that took me a while to figure out. So, yeah, check that podcast out. Um, we also have uh, my, my oldest son and I, whose birthday is also today. So he's oh, got a pretty good nice. birthday with you, Rob. Uh, he turns four today. But we do a little video called Retro Junior. And uh, got some new ideas coming up. I've just been filming the TV with my phone. It doesn't look real good. So I've got some uh, new recording software. I'm hoping to make it look a little better, a little bit more professional. So we're probably going to try to play... Donkey Kong. I haven't recorded it 
as of today, but it might go up about the same time as this podcast. We're going to do some DKJ and um, check for that. We're going to keep doing that. My son loves, loves playing these games with me. So I think he just likes playing any game, really. So it'll be fun <laughs> as he grows up to see if he still enjoys this stuff because he does play the PlayStation with me and things like that. But uh, anything I pop in, he you know wants the controller. So the last thing, I'm kind of contemplating writing a column. Um, I've been talking with uh, you, Rob, and uh, so I've been talking to Brian about writing a possible column. Uh, it's kind of a little out of my comfort zone. I probably don't have the best uh, writing skills. I-, I had a pretty cool idea I'm going to try to chase, so we'll just stay tuned for that. Yeah, and, and uh, I guess there's a couple announcements we want to make real quickly. First of all, I want to give a shout-out to a friend of mine. Um, he's from AtariAge.com. Uh, his his uh, username is S1500. I don't even know his real name. <laughs> I really don't know what it is. But he started a new podcast uh, called 80s Music Break. He just released it, I think, gosh, maybe a, two weeks ago. And you can find him out, podcastgarden.com slash podcast slash 80s Music Break. Uh, it's really good. He basically just picks, it's a very short podcast, maybe 10, 15 minutes long. And he picks, you know, these obscure albums and plays, you know, one of their better tracks and kind of one of their more B-side tracks. Just kind of talks about it. It's, you know, it's a very kind of fun and casual podcast and I really like it. So I wanted to give him a shout out. I think he's already got three episodes out. And another shout out I want to give real quickly is to uh, RJ from AtariAge.com. First of all, he made a correction on uh, something I was talking about the last episode in Haunted House. I forgot to mention that once you collect the third piece of the urn in Haunted House, you have to actually go back to the first floor and then exit out this well-hidden door, and then the game ends. I just pretty much said that as soon as you get the third piece, the game ends, and I was wrong. So so thank you, uh, RJ, for uh, correcting me on that. And he also recommended a couple of homebrew Christmas games that uh, I, I could try to play, and hopefully uh, right in time for RetroGamingTimes.com. So big shout-out to RJ. He and I, we've always kind of talked back and forth about other podcasts and everything and uh, you know and just retro games in general so uh, big shout out to both of those guys and we've already mentioned this but Retromania it'll be on January 18th of 2014 so we will give you more updates on that um, once we know more about it can we hear a Landon inspired uh, Retromania <laughs> promo right now ins- ins- Please. Do, do I need to do it as the ultimate warrior or as Hulk Hogan well we want it to make sense so Hulk Hogan be okay <laughs> yeah I was going to say because it's like ultimate warrior it's going to be like the power of the warrior says you will show up at Retromania! <laughs> Love it! And Hulk Hogan would be like, Let me tell you something, brother! All the Hulkamaniacs are gonna be at Retromania in Canton on January 18th! They're gonna be there to watch me tear my pre-torn shirts, brother! <laughs> Thank you, Hulkster. <laughs> I'm contemplating trying to find a pre-torn shirt and just ripping it for fun. Oh, man. you gotta do it. You gotta do it. <laughs> make I a big entrance. Play you retro Hulk from now on. You gotta make a big entrance. You play the uh, Hulk theme and come. Yeah, the I am a real American. <laughs> yeah. And then he, you know, he does like the wave uh, where he puts his uh, cups his hand around his uh, ear and no one cheers for him. <laughs> play, plays his championship belt like a guitar. He is yeah. <laughs> oh, he hears crickets when I do the little ear thing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the last couple things that we want to say is for the Retro Junkies Network, we want to expand. So any family-friendly cartoon, music, wrestling, gaming, or movie podcast that like to kind of join up with us so we could showcase your podcast on our website, just let us know. We'd love to have you. Just send us an email at theretrojunkies at theretrojunkies.com. And the last thing we want to say is basically we just want to welcome a new member to the website. His name is Super Primsky, I guess. 
Uh, his real name is Michael Kelso, and uh, he's been a very active member on our website, and he's starting his own podcast uh, soon called Retro Thought Pod. Basically, he's going to be covering, you know, sports, classic games, uh, old cars, I, I think he even said. So just a kind of a variety of topics, and he said the show would probably be about 30 minutes per episode. Be sure to check him out, and just a big shout-out to him. So Michael actually contacted me. He listens to Factory Sealed as well, which uh, that's another podcast I write in emails to, and I'm, they were on the intro to our show and uh, he contacted me and uh, he's a Braves fan so big ups to Michael for that but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah great idea he uh, you know we're, we're going to try to promote him on our podcast too Absolutely. and maybe even um, you know kind of do some cross uh, promotions so yeah he's, he's a real cool guy so definitely check him out when he uh publishes any content he said some very kind things about uh, us and our show and nick's show and everything a big shout out to you michael thanks a lot man it meant a lot he uh he also set the uh kung fu record that's on the retro junkies forum didn't he yeah i was gonna say 135,000. i tried to i tried to beat that the other night and i didn't get anywhere close <laughs> <laughs> so snakes <laughs> So, yeah, so snakes and those little people. Is that where Nightmare on Elm Street got the punching snakes in the face? That's got to be Okay, that makes sense. All right, so one thing we're really excited about is, uh, well, one, we have Rob on the show, and not not me, the cool Rob. Right? <laughs> Rob McCallum. Uh, but, yeah, wow. Rob, please tell us, uh, what's been going on with the NES Club? Are, are you guys done filming and everything? Well, I wish we were, but we still have a handful of interviews. We're actually traveling next weekend to Dallas to meet up with Thor Ackerlin. Oh, of course, nice. Thor won the 1990 Nintendo World Championships. So we're mm. going to pick his brain about that. Probably talk to him about Tetris since, uh, since he played a huge role in Ecstasy of Order. I don't know if you guys have seen that Tetris documentary. That's no. a really great film. Definitely check that out. Yeah, so we got that kind of right on top. On We're in the kind of on deck circle for that to happen next weekend. And then we still got a few interviews that we kind of want to do in the new year. Of course, since last time that we talked, we've released our trailer. Pretty overwhelming response to the trailer. Um, we're I think we're around like 32, 3300 views already and it's only wow. been a couple weeks which is pretty awesome. good for any independent film I would say uh, and then like <clears throat> I would say the biggest news that happened this week not only did we talk to one distributor already but we've talked to a second one and they're both kind of like really excited about it so I can't say anything about who we've been talking to on that mm -hmm. front because it wouldn't be fair to either of the parties as we're still working out course any potential deals but mm -hmm. of course it's all about finding the right fit it's not necessarily about you know the most lucrative offer for the filmmakers it's about getting this out there to the, to the right people in the right way and uh, we've definitely got some really great options and it's it's just mind-blowing that we have such options so early on in the process so we're just kind of really humbled again by the response that we've had to our to our film and uh, we really look forward to sharing it with people uh, we recently did an update uh, with Jay and I answering some questions that people threw our way and we have included a little clip from Walter Day where he was commenting on Jay's journey at the end and we hope to do basically a monthly update um, until the film's kind of out what well, did you guys think of the trailer? Well, Let's turn this around on the junkies. What did you guys think? <laughs> well, uh, first of all, I was really impressed with all the all the big names that were in that trailer. I mean, Billy Mitchell, who's uh, Patrick Scott Patterson, Walter Day. You've met a lot of interesting people through this. Well, we've talked to, as you said, Billy Mitchell, Walter Day, Todd Rogers, Ben Gold, Greg Pavich. Cheetah Man, right? Yeah, uh, the publisher of, of Cheetah Men. Nice. Um, and Action 52. So we actually got to see the prototype of Action 52. That was a pretty cool cart to see. Huh. Um, we, uh, Patrick Scott Patterson, 
uh, his partner in crime, Rachel Laura. The list goes on and nice. on and on. I would say uh, we've, again, Thor Ackerland is coming up. I'm, for some reason, I'm starting to draw a little bit of a blank of all the people that we've got here. We've got interviews lined up with Tommy Tellerico in the new year. Uh, Mark Erickson, who did the box art for Tengen Tetris and Mega Man 2. Tri- Triforce Johnson. We have a ton of people. Uh, Kerry Swidecki, who's mm-hmm. like an extra gamer who does like crazy long world records for like DDR and Just Dance. Wow. Uh, Brent Dolan, of course. Uh, Michelle Ireland, Matt Miller. We're just lots and lots and lots of people um, who are like world record. Richie Knuckles, who's mm-hmm. at Kong Off 3 this weekend. We met and interviewed him. So the list just goes on and on. <laughs> Blessings and apologies to anybody that I that I forgot. Clearly, I'm somehow searching for people. It is 6 in the morning here. The, the biggest names of the name are in this documentary. And not all the way through a first cut yet. I've got through Jay's 30 days. I've done a cut of every day so far, and now I'm just kind of getting to like the last stretch of the film where it's a bit of a wrap-up. He's reflecting back on it all, and there's a few other segments i got to put in there. Nice. And i got to say, uh, you know, I don't want to give a huge shout-out to anybody and play favoritism, but it's no secret that we got to spend an entire day game hunting with Todd Rogers. Nice. Uh, he, came, he came out to Houston. For those of you guys that, that don't know Todd Rogers, he's considered like one of the top console and well just pro gamers of all time he was the first professional gamer you could say because he was hired by uh companies to endorse stuff well you know he was still quite early on in his career setting world records and stuff he worked for nintendo activision sega just worked for a bunch of the companies promoting the products and uh we got to spend an entire day with this guy super genuine guy he's actually the very first person to wish me happy birthday uh, so it was that was kind of cool, and uh, that footage is is really kind of special. So I can't wait to to have people see that and comment on that. So I mean, is there anything in particular bes- besides what you just mentioned that really stands out to you from that thirty day trek? Yeah, to be honest, man, and this is where my job as an editor is going to get really hard because we're mm-hmm. running a bit long on the cut. Every day has its own unique story. There's no day that's really kind of blasé that it's just like, oh, Jay got some games. Right. <laughs> There's always something more to it. Because if it is Jay just got some games, it's like, well, what games did he get? How much did that really affect him? What else is going on behind the scenes? Because there's always something that's going on behind the scenes. In the trailer, you know, we see a rival collector shows up at a place to, hmm. you know, nab some games ahead of time on him. <laughs> you got you to have a villain in your film. That's great. That's true. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, not to give too much away, uh, he's probably not going to be considered the most antagonistic side of things. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, intriguing. So so you're saying there is another? twist. (laughs) There is another. There's a lot of, again, there's just a lot of interesting stuff, whether it's it's the bulk deals Jay's able to get on, like, some days where, you know, he scored, like, over 75 games from one store, or, like, the super rare games that he gets. There's a a really cool kind of story on every single day. The Todd Rogers thing is once. The Rival Collectors thing is another. There's an overarching kind of storyline where something is ongoing that keeps coming back. Um, It's really cool. And then to intercut all this stuff with these retro game or gamer celebrities, if you will, Mm -hmm. is really kind of fun as well because Mm -hmm. it gives you... A, a nice kind of other side of perspective on the impact of Nintendo from kind of people that have been in the industry and that understand it. So absolutely, that's really kind of cool as well. Yeah, I got a real important question. Did uh, Jay cut his hair? 
<laughs> yes, you did. Yes, oh, you wow. did. <laughs> I, I, I saw him comment on something, and I thought, whoa, that doesn't look like the guy from the <laughs> from the cover. Uh, yeah, artwork. so when we were filming, he had kind of like uh, hair down to his shoulders, or, or or so to speak, little little bit, you know, shorter than that. And now he's kind of buzzed it off. It's it's this little cycle that he goes through every every few years. He'll grow it all out. <laughs> and buzz it off. I told him before we started filming, like, hey man, just because it was starting to bug him because it's hot and humid and. You know, it gets all crazy, and just just get rid of it. So you know, we don't have to worry about continuity or anything. He's like, no, no, it's fine. So that's why you see a lot of pictures of him wearing like a toque or what some people call a beanie mm. to kind of keep his hair yeah. in check. It's a little <laughs> bit, I guess, like Billy Mitchell in that respect. He likes his likes his perfect perm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Billy Mitchell, is is he totally different? You know, than the documentary portrays him. Billy Mitchell is such a cool guy. He gave us the least resistance about getting an interview. We were at Comic-Con this year, and we had heard that he was going to be at a restaurant basically promoting Twin Galaxies and, you know, uh, some free arcade play stuff. So we took a chance. It was the day that we were flying out. We had already been there to cover Patrick Scott Patterson's panel, and the next day we were leaving. We're like, okay, we'll try to see if we can meet up with him. It would be so awesome if we could. So we were at the restaurant at 10 a.m. They didn't open till 11. As soon as the gates open, out walks Billy Mitchell. You know, he's a you know, like six five or something like that. He's got the American flag tie on. And he comes out, and I'm like, hey man, I don't know if you've you know who I am. My name's Rob McCallum. I'm doing this documentary on the NES. Todd Rogers said he mentioned us to you. Would you be interested in doing a quick 10-minute interview? And the first thing he says is, absolutely. Let's do this. Can you do it now? I said, yeah. All right, <laughs> nice. let's go over by the Donkey Kong machine. I said, okay. Oh, that's awesome. And it, and it was just that quick. And then he gave us <laughs> a bottle of hot sauce. <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. What was it Rick, Ricky's hot sauce, right? Well, it, I'm sure it's the actual Ricky's product, but it's actually covered in a King of Kong label, which is kind of cool. Oh, nice. So, yeah, no, just a, a super down-to-earth guy. And, you know, everybody associates a lot of the people we talk to, like Walter Day, Ben mm-hmm. Gold, Todd, and Billy, of course, with, like, you know, arcade stuff and Donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. But to hear these guys talk about Nintendo and right. the impact of the NES specifically... It's just, there's just another like a surreal quality about it because now they're not just in this little box of this golden age cabinet kind of world. Exactly. It shows that they understand what's going on. And of course, it's a little bit of a touchy subject for these guys because let's face it, the NES was like the changing point in gaming history, you know, whether you want to say they just approached a new generation in terms of marketing or they just, you know, revitalized what was crashed. It was there was no turning back. Home consoles were the thing from that point on, and that kind of destroyed their scene. So to talk to those guys about the new guy on the block, Nintendo, and how that basically, you know, forever kind of closed the arcade doors was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and how that all started with a bunch of Nintendo titles in the arcade. You know, right. we're going to be talking about uh, Donkey Kong Jr. later, but you know that title and Donkey Kong and. Kong Off 3 again this weekend. That's a Nintendo game that Absolutely. started in the arcade. And that success directly led to uh, the NES being a, a reality. So really cool to hear these guys kind of give their perspective on what happened in history and why Nintendo has had lasted longevity and what they do continually right over the long scope of things. Not like on a short console-by-console console basis, but what they continually do. Really, really great insight. What else did you guys think about the trailer? Anything else stand out? No, no pressure. <laughs> Great. <laughs> what? What trailer? <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh! 
I, I really, really enjoyed just the editing of it. I, I like the old looking mm-hmm. pixel font, if I'm saying that right. And just uh, whoever edited that looked pretty good. I don't know who did that for you, but uh, kudos to you guys. It looked really good, really professional. It's something Absolutely. you can definitely see. Has a lot of time, a lot of work, a lot of sweat, tears, and it. it just looked really good. And I think that's going to go a long way. Probably a good reason why you guys have so many views on it because it just it looks so good. And I kept telling, talking to Ryan, the guy I do the podcast with. We may just be a little biased because we kind of know you a little bit now, but it just we are real pumped about that just from seeing that trailer. It just mm-hmm. got us even more excited. So. Very cool, very cool. Uh, yeah, I, I'm editor on the film as well, so I got satcheled with that duty, which is cool. The hardest part about cutting that trailer was, it was like two weeks after we just finished filming the 30 Days, and we were rushed to do it for the Portland Retro Gaming Expo, where we premiered it with our panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just like, okay, what's the most relevant footage that comes to mind, because I don't have time to go through 100 hours of footage. Right. You know, so it's like, okay, so... You know, like it's like anything else. You storyboard it on paper to kind of get an idea for stuff, and then you start putting it into practice, and you mash it together. And it's like, okay, so who who's involved in the film? What are they trying to do? What kind of happens? And who else is kind of commenting on what's important? So yeah. that's the overall structure, as I'm sure you see. Yeah, the the pixel font that that you bring <laughs> up that it was actually a really back and forth decision for a while because the community will get it, but the broader audience might think it's low tech and kind of look you know not shiny and nice and like high end so yeah. the the kind of grid that's kind of like above it and stuff like that to make it look a little bit more graphical mm-hmm. uh, i think when you guys see the the final film there's there's going to be a little bit of that kind of text but it'll be interwoven with a little bit uh fancier kind of mographs uh motion graphic kind of stuff Nice. as well in there to kind of cater to all the audiences. So it's a, it's a big fine line that we've had a lot of discussions on, like how 8-bit do we want to go? Mm-hmm. Like is it enough that we just kind of get the essence or are we going to say, okay, we're dedicated hardcore all the way? <laughs> At the end of the day, right. we just want to make a film that lures a lot of people in and one way of luring people in is with, you know, slick looking production values and 8-bit isn't all that slick <laughs> even though it caters to <laughs> the community. So it's like, Man, if I can have graphics that look like this and people get it, then I kind of maybe want to do that. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> well, just to add on to what Nick said, I'm so pumped up to see this, man. Just, just to, you know, the fact that we got to talk to you in July, right before you filmed, and just, you know, now we get to talk to you after you've done, uh, you know, most of your filming. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited to see the way it turns out. And I love that trailer, especially the very end where Jay's cleaning the games. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no time. You know, you, you every now and then you'll buy a game, and it's like, what the heck happened to this game? <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's got like, a, you know, half the stickers ripped off, you know. Am I going to get sick from touching those? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the great part about that clip is is there's, there's that comedy on top. It's like it looks yeah. like some Somebody set a sandwich on that. You know, there's blood on this. <laughs> what he says at the beginning, though, that's the key point. You know, I want to know the story of every game. Yeah. You know, I want to know how they came in this condition. And now Jay has a story for every single game that he's collected. Right. So everything on his shelf ha- comes from a different event in the oh. trek, whether it's us running out of gas on the highway in Texas. Right. Or whether it's us trying to, you know, deal with the rival collector. Mm-hmm. Or this is a title that he found with Todd Rogers. <laughs> you know, so he wants to know where the games came from and what their story was in advance. 
But now he's got new stories for all this stuff here. So every time you go out and you grab a card at a flea market or some other store, you know, what's the history of that game and what kind of new history are you bringing to it? And that's kind of what the film's about. And that's, that's really cool because my wife kind of gives me a hard time because every, I don't have a ton of games, but every game on my gaming shelf, whether it's modern or retro, I can tell you where I got it, where it came from, how much I paid for it. So. Yeah, sure, absolutely. yeah. It's all, it's all about the history. And you know what? It's not a big competition, and I don't want to belabor the point, but you don't kind of get that with digital downloads. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I think that's a great way for people to experience a library that don't have the funds to do major retro gaming or want to give a game a shot for, you know, if they want to play Earthbound on Wii U for 10 bucks, it's certainly a lot cheaper than spending 150 on the cart, especially if you're not sure if you'd like it, or, or Chrono Trigger, or something like that. So definitely kind of recommend, recommend that kind of thing, but you don't have a tangible experience that has a sense of history with something that's digital. So where, where can uh, people find you and uh, updates on the NES Club? Uh, the, the easiest thing to do is follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the NES Club. That's where 90% of our updates come out of. The other 10% I would say come out of Twitter, which is at the NES Club or at Pyre Productions, P-Y-R-E Productions. Uh, that's my Twitter account, of course, the NES Club. And there's links to both of those, the Twitter and Facebook, on our website, nesclubmovie.com. Uh, and if you guys uh, kind of look around the nation, hopefully you should see some posters up in the retro stores that we hit. I sent uh, over 60 flyers out uh, last week that has official participating store kind of letterhead on posters that we created. So hopefully we'll see some of those in stores and get back and some pictures and stuff. And Facebook is kind of the way to go because we give away a lot of these posters too on there for uh, simple, dumb kind of fun contests. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so pumped to see it. I, I just can't wait. Unfortunately, we all have to wait about a year, so that's the big question everybody asks. How long until we can see this? Because I want to see it now. Well, we're saying fourth quarter, 2014. Nice. That's, that's really not that bad, though. No. Bad. All the work has got to go into it. I, th I think a year turnaround is fair. I mean, it's yeah. hard because we've been promoting it since May, <laughs> you know, so it feels like a year and a half, sort of, but I think, uh, and that's that's the other big reason why we wanted to get a trailer out to kind of, you know, satiate that appetite for everyone, and hopefully we'll have a second trailer down the road kind of three months out before it's done and we'll, we'll probably do an Indiegogo campaign as well for anybody that wants to pre-order stuff that missed Kickstarter because it seems like there's like hundreds of people that missed out on Kickstarter that don't know how to get the DVD or the Blu-ray and mm -hmm. so we'll probably do kind of like a pre-order thing it won't be anything special it'll be kind of like just the cost of the disc but give you different ordering options so to speak well thanks for sharing that with us Rob that was awesome yeah. <laughs> especially on your, on your birthday uh, early in the morning thanks a lot man that was awesome and that's a pretty good gift to be able to promote a film that you care a lot about so uh, don't want to sound like a broken record I really appreciate the opportunity to talk uh, games and of course the NAS club probably be speaking a little bit elevated like this and this will be like direct address straight to the lens. Oh, yeah! Uh, this is my collection here. About uh, 100 games right now. What's missing from your collection that would help, you know, make it complete? Let's make it a dare. I dare you to go out and get all the Nintendo games. I dare you to do it. How about we do it in a month? We'll do it in 30 days. And he said yes. Boom. Feels like 30 day Christmas Eve, 30 Christmas Eve's in a row. <laughs> Wayne's, Wayne's World, World. <laughs> which I've never seen before. You're asking me to sell something out of my personal collection. I'm gonna take a chance and try and negotiate with you guys. Uh, one of the regulars there scooped it up at about uh, 9 or 10 a.m. this morning. So the Jetson saga continues. Yep. 
We should have been in Cincinnati, possibly even on our way to Indianapolis, but here we are still in Columbus. What happened? I got it at an exceptional price. The high-priced games I wanted, they weren't willing to budge a cent. The NES essentially received the baton from the arcade era and ran with it. Every game they came out with really had a level of success to one degree or another. For a period of time there, Nintendo was a word used to describe video games in general. You know, so when you see a Mario, like people are dressed up as Mario for Halloween, or you just see it in so many different places, um, and everybody instantly knows what that is. There was just a little magical quality to Nintendo that caught on with the public. That era of games relied on imagination. When they came up with a new product, everybody wanted to see it, everybody wanted to play it. I, I don't want to sound weird or cliche, man, but I have to say this right now, what is happening, is by far the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. I'd like to know the story for each card, like what what happened to this poor thing? Why it's in this condition? Like, it's like someone set a sandwich on it and kind of... Like, I can't even get that off. I don't even know if it's blood. I don't even want to touch it. Ew. But what's news with you guys? What's new with <laughs> the invisible segue? What's new with you guys? <laughs> I like it. Landon, take it away, my man. Well, uh, as far as retro news, I found an article on RetroCollect.com. This was back eh, probably about three weeks ago. October 29th, happy 25th birthday to the Sega Genesis. Yay! And it's, it's just kind of an article, you know, talking about the heyday of the Sega Genesis with Sonic the Hedgehog, Streets of Rage, and that on the 29th, you know, that they were, the, the writer of the article was going to celebrate by playing his uh, favorite 16-bit Sega Mega Drive games, as he calls them. The, mm -hmm. He'll be playing Gunstar Heroes, Rocket Knight Adventures, and Ristar. Rocket Knight's a good game. I'm, I'm a big fan of Rocket Knight, and that was one of those where, you know, I was younger, I saw it, I thought it was kind of dorky or cartoon-looking, but I wanted to play it, and then when I got older and had a little bit of money, I'm like, yeah, I'll give it a shot, and I was, like, blown away. Hey, can I jump in here since we're talking about Sega Mega Drive for a quick second? I know we're going to be talking about another Kickstarter project later. This one is starting to take the world by storm as well. It's called Sega Mega Drive slash Genesis, The Collected Works. It's on Kickstarter. Within two days, they already reached their goal of 30,000 pounds. They're at 58,000 pounds now with 23 days to go. It's a documentary art book by a company called Read Only Memory. It's basically one or two guys by the sounds of it. And it's the ultimate retrospective on uh, Sega and the Mega Drive and Genesis. They're talking to basically everybody that worked at Sega, like the first party stuff, and they have kind of dissections of all the hardware. They have a bunch of prototype stuff. They have like exclusive art for the games, you know, like Golden Axe, Sonic, and, and stuff that never got released. I want to say like the big kind of popular tier is like the the $38 pound or 38 pounds or it's like $50 American that's like a hard copied book with all these nice pages in it and Ooh. you got like basically reading from the site it says they've got 20 exclusive interviews with original Sega team members many of whom have never been uh, interviewed before so they talk about Bare Knuckle, Streets of Rage, Sonic the Hedgehog, Fantasy Star, Gunstar Heroes, Super Shinobi, Revenge of Shinobi, Golden Axe, Rent a Hero, Vector Man, Decap Attack. Uh, and, and more. Again, they've already hit their goal. It's really cool to see some of the blueprint stuff. They've shared a few of their images on their Kickstarter. You guys should really pick up this book while you can. This project's a go. So if you guys are Sega fans, oh, yeah. especially of the Genesis <laughs> stuff, this is for you. Sega Mega Drive slash Genesis, the collected works on Kickstarter.com. 
I do have another retro game that I want to throw out there that's trying to get some help oh, on please. Kickstarter, but I, but I think it would go better with what you guys are talking about later on. So we'll we'll kind of team that up there because it is kind of in the Capcom inspired vein as well. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I can't believe it's 25 years old already. Uh, and you know that's just the Japanese release. And you know what? Believe it or not, what's kind of sad is the Genesis didn't particularly do that well in Japan compared to North America and Europe. Yeah, Europe, it was killing. Oh, I know, I know. Well, see, the Mega Drive, or not the Mega Drive, the Master System was really big in Europe, uh, even into the mid-90s. So yeah. when the Genesis came out, it was, you know, even better. For the NES Club, we had a lot of kind of resistance talking to our European sites and whatnot. And our next video oh, wow. update will be, on a, will be on a UK site because they love the NES. But all their kind of subscribers and stuff are Master System fanboys, which is great. Mm -hmm. But they kind of want to let these guys know why the NES is so cool and kind of get the North American perspective. Right. But you're absolutely bang on, man. We'll start with you, Lana. When did you get your first uh, Sega Genesis? I got mine, I want to say, I'm trying to think. It was Christmas of 92, I believe. And it came with Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I got that. And a few weeks later on my birthday, I got the, the Ren and Stimpy show. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> which, nice. which wasn't a bad game. It was kind of weird, but it wasn't bad. But I remember sitting there thinking, I'm like, "Wow, this is totally different from the the Super Nintendo," and I love it. <laughs> so, so you had a Super Nintendo first, then? I had a Super Nintendo first. Yes. Oh wow. Okay. Nice. Oh well then. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I got mine uh, in the Christmas '92 as well, and I think mine was the Model Two. Was yours the Model Two, Landon? Mine was the Model 2. It was the... I looked at it, and I'm like, this doesn't look like a Genesis. And yeah. I'm reading on the box, and it's like, now redesigned. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. How about you, Rob? Um, I got mine exactly 20 years ago today. 1993, it was the Model 2 as well. So it was, still, it was kind of late, I guess, in the, in the Genesis run, even though they put out games to, you know, 98, but kind of late considering Super had been out for a little over a year and whatnot. Never had a Super. Went straight from NES to Genesis. So 20 years ago, exactly, uh, my dad gave me a Genesis, which Very was cool. pretty rad. 20 years later, we're still talking about it. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the power of video games. That's right. So how about you, Nick? I got it later on. Um, what happened, I, I had an SNES my, you know, throughout that time, and uh, a friend of mine back in 97 was trying to buy a PlayStation, and he sold me his Sega for like 20 bucks. And it came with like six or seven games, so I, I came in. I came in a little late, but it was kind of nice because I could go to all the yard Sucker. sales. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could go to all the yard sales and the, you know, some of the local flea markets and buy games for like next to nothing. So I just had, I, I, I had a nice backlog of Sega games to play. So that, I, I was kind of a, a Nintendo fanboy as a kid, and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, for twenty bucks, of course, I'm gonna buy a Genesis. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> did you buy the the second gen, or did you get the Genesis three, or? It, it was the second one, yeah. He, he had had that when he was a kid. So. We mentioned this on the NAS podcast, but uh, some of the local Dollar General stores are re-releasing these Sega consoles, and I haven't played it. And I don't know if it's good or bad, but uh, it comes preloaded with a bunch of Genesis games. Yeah, but it also the 80 has games. A, yeah, what? and it also has a place where you can put the cartridge on the top, which I thought was kind yeah. of interesting. So. I had no it's idea. It's really rad. These are on eBay, too. I mean, if you don't have a chance to get to Dollar General, but it's, I think it's like 50 bucks or 60 bucks. Yeah comes preloaded with like 80 games, I want to say, and it has a slot for uh, both Mega Drive and, and Genesis carts to play. So it's almost like a Retron, but it has everything flashed onto it like an Atari flashback. Wow, wow. Is it, is, yeah. is it the same uh, Genesis controller, pretty much? Comes yeah. Wireless it, controllers? It's, it's, a, it's like a wireless six button, I think. Oh, no way. Yeah. And I, and I saw some Black Friday ads um, 
uh, I think it's like $20 in the States if you get it on Black Friday at Dollar General stores. I know where I'm going on Black Friday. (laughs) (laughs) So how about you, Nick? Do you find anything? Yeah, this is a Kickstarter I've been following for a while. I heard it on another podcast, but it's a game called Mighty Number no. 9. And the uh, funny thing about this, it's being uh, fun or being supported. I don't want to say supported. It's being started by uh, one of the old Mega Man developers, and I, I might completely slaughter this name, but I believe it's Kinjay Inafune. And uh, he actually uh, developed a lot of the Mega Man games, uh, Onimushu and uh, Dead Rising. But uh, he's pretty much creating a new. <laughs> it's it's it's. They're not even shy about this, but it's pretty much Mega Man in a different world, <laughs> pretty much. So, 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 the, so this character—it's a 2D uh, side-scrolling uh, sh- uh, shooter game—and this character he defeats a boss at the end of each level, and he gets gets a new power. But it's not—it's not the same kind of power Mega Man has. He actually transforms, kind of like a transformer. So some of the screenshots I've seen, like he turns into vehicles and things like that. But if, if you look at these screenshots on Kickstarter, I mean, the guy's pretty much got a gun coming out of his hand like Mega Man did. And he, the logo even looks a lot like a Mega Man logo. So it's it's really cool. And one of the cool things I saw that really got me excited is that the uh, composer for Mega Man 2, the, the music composer, he is on board for this. And Ooh. Mega Man 2 is my favorite soundtrack of any game. So mm-hmm. it, it's really cool. They've completely surpassed their Kickstarter fund. Uh, I believe their goal was 900000 They got like almost four million so it's oh my goodness it's, yeah wow. it's, it's yeah which i, I kind of wondered you know this guy's probably got plenty of money you know <laughs> <laughs> but anyways it's another story but, but they also I'm, had a lot of stretch goals right like they even yeah. had stretch goals at like the, i think the 3.3 range they guaranteed like a ps4 and an xbox one version yeah and it oh, looks like awesome. they've, they've, they've reached them all um they've, they've reached like, everything so they're they're even putting out these really cool uh usb drives with the game on it that actually have like an old Nintendo cartridge shape, oh. so you, it's, it's really cool. So they're they're really trying to to make it retro again. And um, you know, Capcom really hasn't done the best service to Mega Man. I know the last anniversary they released was it Mega Man X Street Fighter, which it wasn't really that. It was just on the PC, and they could have done a lot more with that. And I think they even kind of poked fun at Mega Man, one of the uh, Marvel versus Capcom games. They released it with the uh, one of the old Mega Man uh, cover arts instead of like the actual <laughs> Mega Man character. It was kind of like this overweight Mega Man, you know, <laughs> human-looking guy. It was kind of funny, but I I read some articles about that how it could have kind of poking fun at it. But uh, so they haven't really done it the best service. And this this to me is the next Mega Man game. <laughs> I'm, nice. I'm just I'm going into it thinking this is this is the Mega Man game I've been wanting. You know, nine and ten were good, but I feel like they could have done a lot more with Mega Man through the years. So definitely check that out. Like I said, it's it's it's, it's, it's a go. Did you say that it's going to be an eight bit style? Uh, well, they had a couple um, uh, concept arts here. It looks mm-hmm. like it's not 8-bit style. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a 2D, but it's got some really neat looking graphics. One, right, one, right. one screenshot I'm looking at right now looks looks a little bit more like 16-bit, and then nice. the one above it, one above it looks like, you know, almost something current gen. So oh, awesome! Yeah, awesome. it looks very cell shaded. Yeah, like yeah, pretty right. anime. Yeah, kind of nice stuff. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that. Side scroller for Mega Man works for me. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they they are saying that they're gonna release a, a retro style chiptune soundtrack and effects as part of their stretch goals. So, and if you got the composer of Mega Man Two, now you're gonna get like retro chiptune soundtrack. Great. <laughs> Speaking of Capcom and not really doing their series justice, there's another project created by a guy named Monty Singleton who's up in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. I've reached out to him and we might try to get up there and interview him if all the cards play it right. He's trying to do a Ghosts and Goblins game. <gasps> Um, he's got the blessing from Capcom. It's called Ghosts and Goblins Demon World. Uh, he's got 12 days left to get funding. He's got almost 4,500. He's looking for 50,000. 
Um, so he's got a long way to go, but maybe you guys can help get the word out there. It's called Ghosts and Goblins Demon World. He's got like a crack team of people put together for this. He's developed games his entire life. He's got a ton of people that worked on uh, a bunch of Sega stuff. And they're essentially uh, going to utilize the Ouya Fund. Now, the Ouya Fund is if you get uh, 300 backers on Kickstarter and whatever you raise, they will double that for you. So they'll match it. So basically, Monty needs like a hundred grand. So he's raising fifty. Uya is going to match that because they want like a six-month exclusive window licensing period. But uh, this would be a chance at a new Ghosts and Goblins game. Capcom has said, "Yep, go ahead and do it." Of course, we want the final say to see if it meets our, you know, criteria for giving the thumbs up. If they say no, they're just going to change the art around, and make it kind of like a Mighty Number no. Nine, so to speak. <laughs> um, but it's essentially going to be uh, a Ghosts and Goblins game coming out, and they're going to keep it hard. They're going to keep it oh, really man. hard. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and they got some cool stuff that you can get, like uh, a furry beard and, and tidy whities and stuff. And, uh, yes! <laughs> so that's kind of cool. And, of course, they, the, the, the reward I picked uh, is like a shadow box with like an NES game box, an NES game with a sticker and a manual. Oh, of course, cool. it, won't, it won't play and stuff, but it's kind of cool to have that 8-bit feel. And their cover art is, is really slick. I think it's really cool. So sweet. Uh, definitely check that out if you're a Capcom fan. You have frustrating memories of Ghosts and Goblins, <laughs> and uh, you want to see another retro game get made because this could look really cool. So, Landon, what retro games you been playing lately, my man? Well, I've been on a NES kick here lately. Uh, if you check the Facebook page out, I actually posted when was it? I think it was Thursday afternoon. I've been playing a lot of ice hockey. <laughs> and, yes. and, and, I, and I pose the question, who do you play in your lineup? Do you do all fat? Do you do all fat and one skinny? <laughs> you know, what, what do you, what's your lineup? I always go with the just the, the two normal guys, the, the big guy, and then the, normal. the skinny guy. Normal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the middle of the road guys, they don't really excel at anything. They're just kind of there. All our skinny and chunky listeners aren't going to be happy about that. <laughs> Since I'm one of the chunkier ones, I'm not happy. Not, <laughs> no way, it's muscle. <laughs> There's a, there, a six-pack hiding it underneath this gut here. <laughs> the way to win is three fatties and one skinny. <laughs> I think I got about ten goals once with that comment. It really works well. It does. I, I like how the NES games are not politically correct, and we can just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, skinny guy. <laughs> playing that and a little bit of pro wrestling for the NES. And playing as the Amazon with the, the face bite. <laughs> Can I call you the Amazon from now on? Sure. As long as I can call you, uh, what was the guy's name, Giant Panther? Okay. Sure. <laughs> well, no, no, you're the tall one, so you should be Giant Panther. I'm not oh. as tan, though. He's, like, unhealthy, like, tan-colored. <laughs> he kind of reminds me of Hulk Hogan. I call him Hulk Jr. when I play it. Well, see, you're, you are very good at the Hulk Hogan impression, so you're going to have to be the Giant Panther. Okay, I'll be, I'll be Giant Panther. Sweet. you got to be Starman. You like pink. Starman? Oh, well... Take off. I always pick Starman. He does that cool spin kick, right? He does that one where he like drop kicks on like standing two feet away from him. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the guy I like. <laughs> Before I say anything, do you guys consider the Nintendo 64 retro? I yeah, yeah, I'd say okay. so. Oh, that's because, a whole debate. Like, yeah. We're filming the NES Club several times. If you uh, think it's retro, it's retro. Let's just say that. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I just didn't want to, because I always do, and I didn't want to. I've been playing a lot of Nintendo 64 games. A good friend that's of mine. That's not retro. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> let's, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. See, all right, it's my turn now. <laughs> That's great. Well, I, I've recently uh, 
my, a good friend of mine, Andy Layton, who also listens to this show, bought a real big lot of 64 games. Like for $80, he got a ton of junk. So, I, so um, shamelessly, I asked, uh, if you have any duplicates, why don't you let me know about them? So I came over to his house, and for $20, I got like every wrestling game on the Nintendo 64, uh, Mario 64, and then Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. So I've been digging nice. into all those games. It's It was kind of fun going through all the, uh, uh, I believe it's called the Aki um, wrestling games from WCW versus, not versus the world, but uh, the WCW and WWE World Tour all the way to, to No Mercy. It was kind of fun seeing that evolution. of the best wrestling games ever. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm definitely uh, a No Mercy fan. I've, I've been playing that a lot, but uh, it was just kind of fun going from each game and seeing the uh, small little evolution of each. So. But uh, And then I, of course, popped in Star Wars and had to relive that Hoth battle. And, you know, <laughs> that, that was fantastic. But, yeah, that's what I've been up to. Gosh, I I don't have no mercy. I I I always thought I did, but what I had was the WCW Revenge one. Yeah, the NWO Revenge, which which is still really good. But I, I hear no no mercy is a better one of the two. So I've got. I like that. WrestleMania 2000. I gotta say. Yeah, that that's the one I have. Oh, that that's a great one. I'm I'm a big fan of the old ECW wrestler Taz. I know when he came over to WWE, he didn't uh, wrestle very long, so I think he got hurt. But he's a no mercy, and I've just been having a blast with him. All those suplexes. And... Oh yeah, the suplex <laughs> machine. Exactly. <laughs> well, that sounds like you you got a pretty good uh, haul there, man. I did. I did. Big thanks to Andy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so he got he got a heck of a deal. Got some real rare games and like three sixty four consoles out of that. And so he he's actually working on a project. He's gonna start trying to uh, uh, paint some of his sixty fours and kind of do some custom work. So yeah, oh, wow. he, uh, he wanted to grab some extra ones and, and give it a shot this year. Nice. Well, how about you, Rob? Uh, I've been playing uh, a lot of NES. Not surprisingly, I, I, I guess. Um, <laughs> I kind of every weekend I try to do a different kind of theme. Uh, so last weekend, because I really don't get a chance to play too much of the week, I was playing a lot of uh, racer games. So I was playing RC Pro-Am and RC Pro-Am 2 and uh, Super Sprint, uh, just kind of rotating nice. on those three. So that was that was a lot of fun, uh, especially when my wife and dog look at me as I curse. <laughs> my <laughs> Those stupid tornadoes that come in Super Sprint out of nowhere and, and <laughs> knock you into the oil slicks and make you lose the race. So... <laughs> I should have thrown Excite Bike into the mix, in the mix, but uh, that didn't that didn't happen. So you'd probably be cussing uh, as soon as your bike overheats, though. Anyway, I'm too good for that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you guys see there's some sort of viral video? I think it was by Red Bull, where like real like dirt bike racers kind of recreate Excite Bike. What really? Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. Why, why Nintendo's not doing that? I have no idea. But yeah, I know. know. Yeah, I, I haven't been playing a whole lot. The only one I've actually been playing. Well, actually, there's been two games I've been playing. Uh, but the first one was. Revenge of the Killer Tomatoes. I actually got this at the Retro Gamer in Canton. And I'm looking at... Uh, I got the card in my hand right now. And it's the weirdest looking card. And as a matter of fact, um, the store owner, Kelly, she she picked it out first. I didn't even notice it. And she was like, ah, I've never seen this one before. And I looked at it. I was like, what? I, at first I thought it was a movie because it's made by uh, 20th Century Fox Games. It, it's, uh, it's, I checked it out. It's not an actual movie. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a tomato with a bull's head and horns busting through a brick wall, and then you've got flying tomatoes above them on either side. So I had to get it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've been playing a little bit of that, and it's a really kind of weird concept. Basically, you are this... I don't even know what it was. I thought it was a spaceship, but apparently it's a tomato sprayer. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, basically what you have to do is you have to use this tomato sprayer to spray these blocks that are floating across the top of the screen... Uh, you, you spray those blocks, and then as soon as your sprayer turns the color of the block, you have to go to the bottom of the screen and 
build this brick wall, all right, that blocks the tomatoes uh, at the bottom of the screen that are shooting tomatoes at you. So eventually you gotta pretty much surround these tomato plants with these brick walls uh, so that they'll stop firing tomatoes at you. It's, it's an okay game. It's, you know, it's definitely strange. Another thing is, uh, John Russell is the guy who programmed it. I found this out on AtariH.com. And he also programmed a couple of other games that I've, have pretty random titles. So I wanted to get them. Uh, apparently he programmed Alligator People. And there was another one about pigs, I think. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was like, wow, he, he just this guy only does random titles. So I'm going to have to get it. Um, the, other, well, the other one I was playing was Miss Pac-Man for the 2600. And this is actually good. I was very impressed because Todd Fried, the guy who did the first one, the first Pac-Man game, which was not very good, I kind of did a little bit more research into that and why the first one was such a failure in a lot of ways. And basically what it was, he had to program the first one in three months. He, he had to program everything in 1981. As a matter of fact, it says here, Pac-Man's 2600 port was started in May of 1981, and they wanted to have the code released by September of 1981. Uh, so... That's not a long time at all to do that. So that's why, you know, I think Fry gets a lot of flack for that Pac-Man port, but really I don't think it was his fault. But one thing that I don't feel so sorry for him about is he got 10 cents for every Pac-Man game that was sold, and that was one of the best-selling games of all time. So so I'd say he's probably a millionaire now, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but anyways, he did Miss Pac-Man a year later, and this was much better. He was given a lot more time. He got to use, I think, uh, 5K of the uh, ROM space to use to program it. Uh, and it just looks a lot better, and you can tell. Miss Pac-Man actually looks like Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> and she can turn down in this one. So, uh, But yeah, other than that, I haven't been doing a whole lot. I found a couple of cool websites, uh, ataritimes.com and atariage.com. I've been kind of digging deeper into that site. That's a really good website. Uh, has a whole bunch of reviews, forums, uh, database with a whole bunch of old Atari games, scans, uh, manual scans, cart scans, uh, just really cool stuff. Oh, they even have like history of the programmers and just neat stuff. So I've been kind of on an Atari kick this week, but but yeah, that's about it for me. All right, uh, first forum topic that was started on our website is an interesting look back. And this was started by our friend Brian Rapolo, again, the guy who designed our website, very cool guy. To sum up his forum post, basically he was saying that at first, he always kind of preferred the NES era of games. But, you know, now looking back, he finds that he's playing a lot more of the pre-NES era of games and trying to beat his high scores. I guess looking back, his opinion about an, a previous era has changed. So, let me ask you guys, you know, looking back at all the eras of gaming, is there one that you kind of have a new respect for? I think I'm going to be in the same boat as Brian. You know, I was real big in the NES era, grew up during that time, you know, and that was what was on TV, what was in print, what was basically everywhere. It, Nintendo had taken over the world as far as I was concerned. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, now looking back, I'm kind of like Brian. I'm starting to really dig like the Atari the Atari games, you know, not not because they have stellar stories or anything, but because, you know, you get that score, you get a game over, and you're like, huh, I know what I did wrong. I can beat that. And then you go back and you play it again, and you just keep on and on and on. I'm, I'm really digging the, 
and you know this relates back to what we're going to be talking about today in Donkey Kong Jr. But games from that era, the Donkey Kongs, the Donkey Kong Jr. I played a little bit of Burger Time this week and forgot nice. how much I love that game. You know, stuff like that. I'm I'm really starting to get back into the Atari age games and really liking them. And probably the biggest reason I didn't as a kid was because. You know, I was born after the Atari age. Everybody was moving on to the Nintendo and the Master System. And Atari's people that had them, you know, weren't getting rid of them or anything. They still played them, but they just weren't as prevalent. You know, emulator technology, you know, folks selling their old collections, you know. Getting back into the Atari the Atari age of games is, is I guess it's kind of easier for me now than it was back when I was younger. And I'm really, really enjoying it and hate that I've missed out on it. Right, right. That, I feel the same exact way. I was born in uh, 1986, and uh, I totally missed out on the Atari era. Playing these games for the first time, especially games like uh, Revenge of the Beast, Dave Tomatoes. I mean, you know, <laughs> these, these are games I'd never even heard of. And just to play them for the first time, it's, it's actually really exciting. And pretty much those classic arcade games that were before my time as well. The games I thought of uh, in the arcades were like X-Men or mm-hmm. Street mm-hmm. Fighter 2. Street Fighter, Daytona. Yeah. yeah, pretty much like the early to mid-90s of arcade games. You know, But really the golden era was the early 80s, and I missed out on that completely. So playing a lot of these classic games for the first time, and that's why I love so, so many of these retro podcasts like No Quarter and Atari 2600 Game by Game Podcast because a lot of these games I'm hearing for the first time, and it's really excited to start them. So I'm definitely this, that's that's my era that I have a greater appreciation for now. So, so uh, how about you, Nick? I never really got into Atari as well as I'd like to. I don't own one. Uh, we had one when I was really young. Like I can hardly remember. Like maybe three or four years old. I was born in '85, so I was right there around you, Rob. And uh, I remember my brother. He was six years older than me. He played it a lot, and I vaguely remember playing bowling and things. But nice. it's one of those it's one of those eras I never dug back into. Um, and there was a post after Brian had initially started that thread and. It was uh, more on the lines of a genre you never got into, and that's kind of the ballpark I'm in now. I didn't play a lot of RPGs or uh, strategy RPGs growing up. I, I think they just too much text. I was real impatient, so I've, I've been diving back back into those lately. I've been uh, trying some of these. Uh, I'm never going to pronounce this name right, but I've been I, I've been playing my PSP a lot, and there's this game called Jean de Arc or something. It's like a Joan, Joan of Arc storyline. It's all start strategy RPG, kind of like Final Fantasy tactics and things. So I'm starting to nice. kind of dig back into those genres I missed. Um, you know, I still need to go back and complete Chrono Trigger. I never did beat that game. I've played. I've started it three, or four times and never went all the way through it. Yeah. So, so yeah, with, with genres, I need to go back and I would love to get an Atari too, just to just to have. I don't know if I'd enjoy the games or not. And I, I do love the old arcade games. So mm-hmm. I, I think there definitely some uh, influence in there. But I've never really dug into Atari as much as I'd like to. How about you, Rob? Uh, well, it's funny you mentioned getting back into RPGs. I've picked up a ton of RPGs in the last couple Ooh. weeks. Uh, it's enough to last me a few years, I'm sure. But there's just our RPG was clearly my favorite genre growing up. As soon as I played Final Fantasy for the NES, I was like hooked. Uh, I missed out on the Super Nintendo, other than when uh, my brother would come down and visit for like the summer and bring it, and we'd play like Mystic Quest or Final Fantasy two or three, which was cool. But we never kind of got all the way through it because you kind of have to have more than you know a month to kind of play those games unless <laughs> yeah. you have tons of time. Skies of Arcadia is by far my favorite game. Of course, originally a Dreamcast title, then later released and much more valuable in the collector's market for some reason on the GameCube. I never, uh, I never so I picked that one. Yeah, you got to check that out. It's a lot of fun. Ooh. It's definitely a lot of fun. It's it's all turn-based stuff, but you know it's kind of like an early fable where you get to pick what your guy says and awesome. uh, the main characters are featured in Sonic uh, Racing Transformed. But the other series that I really got into were the Tales series. I really love Tales of Symphonia. Uh, yeah. And they have mm-hmm. a new 
uh, version coming out called Tales of Symphonia Chronicles for the PS3 in February. So I'm going to finish my GameCube version, and there was a sequel to Tales of Symphonia on the Wii that I never knew about, so I'm going to play through that hopefully. And I also got Tales of Zillia, and the sequel to that's coming out, and I got a few Final Fantasy games that uh, I never got to play on the, on the PS3. 13, I guess, and mm-hmm. 13 Part 2. So I'm going to try to knock some of those out, as well as Super Mario RPG, Chrono Trigger, and Earthbound. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and Final Fantasy 2, and Final Fantasy 3, and on the Game Boy Advance, Final Fantasy 4, 5, 6, Tactics, and Chronicles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd say you're good for the next 10 years. <laughs> yeah, so I'm locked up for the next decade. So I, I do have a list of the, of the stuff I'm going to play. I'm going to play through Zelia probably first, just because the sequel's coming out to that. And then once once I get through that, I'll play Tales of Symphonia Chronicles. Awesome. But Super Nintendo would be a library that I'd love to discover a bit more to answer your question specifically. All right, well, uh, next topic was 80s and 90s research, and this was started by our friend Michael. He basically said, you know, before the internet and everything, how did you guys find out about games? Landon, we'll, we'll start with you, buddy. Nintendo Power. Uh, you were playing with Power? I was. Uh, lucky. <laughs> Super Power. That's right. I was, I was subscribing to their monthly propaganda. <laughs> nice. Yeah, commercials, you know, we'd go to the, the grocery store, and I'd go over to the newsstand and look at the Game Pro and... You know, look and look into some of the other gaming mags that they have had, but Nintendo Power was was by far probably the the best way that I based a lot of my game purchasing decisions. Do you have any of your old uh, magazines? No, I don't. My mom threw them all out. Oh, out! I'm like, mom, why did you do that? And she's like, we were taking up space, and they could have caught on fire. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> they could have caught on fire. <laughs> she's like, those were fire hazard. They were, and I'm like, no, they weren't. They were okay. Whatever. I'm not gonna argue with you. Okay. <laughs> Other than Nintendo Power, um, we had a local uh, movie rental store, and I would go in there. They had, they usually had, they mainly carry Nintendo. You know, NES and Super Nintendo, a little bit of Genesis, but the uh, the store owner's son would always tell me what the good games are when, when they're when they're coming out. You know, when to show up to rent them. And I'm um, and I'm you know I'm sorry if I repeat myself. I might have shared this before, but every Friday they had this deal. You'd rent three games for five dollars, keep it for the whole weekend. And so that that was like my mm-hmm. weekend. You know, especially in the winter time when it wasn't nice out to go play. And uh, we would always rent. We'd go talk to that guy. He'd tell us what the new games were, and we'd you know we of course we'd rent three games. I'd I'd usually rent like a sports game, a fighting game, and then. You know, going back to where I didn't like RPGs, I didn't like turn-based RPGs very well. So I, I, I love the action RPGs like Zelda and uh, Secret of Mana. So I, d- I did usually rent a game like that. And of course, you know, the problem with that is that you, you get a couple hours into the game and you just cross your fingers that the next week you rent it, your save's still on there. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but uh, that's how I learned just just talking to the uh, store owners and Nintendo Power, of course. You know, it was all about uh, EGM for me. EGM and GamePro Electronic Gaming Monthly, oh, nice. of course. Um, you know, this is actually a big uh, segment that we produced in the NES Club. Um, whether it'll make the cut or not, I'm not sure. But we talked about researching NES games and the building a momentum to where you didn't know about the games other than a screenshot or something in a magazine. And, you know, we joke that the film will be done in the fourth quarter of 2014. But that was kind of like the release dates back then. You never knew it would be like, you mm-hmm. know, November 12th, a Tuesday or whatever. It was just kind of some indiscriminate amount of time that this game would possibly be out. <laughs> and that was true all the way up until, like, I remember waiting forever for WWF Attitude. <laughs> waiting for that game to come out, and it's, I call like every week. Is it out yet? No. Nope. Is it out yet? No. Nope. 
So, so that's kind of where I got like most of my research from, you know, playing with friends and stuff who had, you know, different games and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And, you know, the rumor mill at school, oh, did you hear that, you know, there's this new Mega Man game coming out? No, 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 there is. There is. <laughs> there's a Mario 3 coming out? Yeah, no, there isn't. Yeah, and you always um, had that one kid on the playground who lied about everything. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah that, that, that was kind of the same for me. I didn't have Nintendo Power or, um, you know, EGM or anything like that really growing up until I'd say probably the mid to late 90s but early on uh, a kid uh, that lived on my street he had all the Nintendo powers so I just go over there and he'd usually have he was spoiled he always had like the, the newest games <laughs> and stuff you make me laugh because that kid on my street was Jay oh. <laughs> <laughs> to his place and find out everything yeah exactly <laughs> There was a Blockbuster that we would always kind of ride our bikes to. and uh, I remember renting games there like every Friday night, get like an allowance, and, and I'd rent a, f- a few games. So that, that was basically the only way I found out besides maybe a commercial. I didn't really have a whole lot of the Nintendo Powers. I wish I did, but I, I don't know. For some reason, I could never talk my parents into getting that. So might have been a fire hazard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I cannot wait. Caught on fire, you would have never got out past your Nintendos. You would have been burned yeah. up with them. That's true. I can't, I can't wait to use that on my kids. They want to buy a magazine. No, it's too big of a fire hazard. <laughs> I'm like, come on, mom, why'd you throw those out? And she's like, because. Never mind the kids, I'm going to use that on my wife. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fire hazard. You want, you want to pass me the uh, Nintendo Power? <laughs> and then the last form topic is a non-gaming topic, and this is about sentimental toys growing up. It basically, if you could hold on to one toy that you had during your childhood, you know, something that was super sentimental to you, what would that toy be? So, Landon, how about you first? That would probably be... Hmm, I had a lot that I really liked. Probably my Omega Supreme Transformer. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. Nice. I had the Omega Supreme and like a like a ding dong as a kid. I like took it apart and broke it into a million. <laughs> I'm sitting here like looking on eBay and I'm like, hmm, I wonder what that Omega Supreme goes for now. And it's like five hundred dollars. And I'm like, crap. <laughs> well, you, well, you were you took it apart hoping it would come back together. Yeah, I, yeah, and it, it just didn't, I don't know. It didn't quite transform. <laughs> transform when, when you take the parts out of them and like throw them all over the house it, it won't transform <laughs> yeah my mom worried about that too like we put batteries in it and she's like i don't know what if what if it leaves it on too long it melts down and my dad's like it'll be fine hush <laughs> she, so she needs to record some psas yeah <laughs> supreme he was he was probably my favorite tool i wish i still had even batteries included and fire hazards included and all nice nice if there's no risk what's the point exactly <laughs> yeah uh, how about you, Nick? I didn't have just one toy. Um, I, I actually ex- responded to this on the forums. I was really big into the uh, late 1990s Jax uh, WWF wrestlers, oh, uh, yeah. wrestling figures. So, and, um, and it's kind of embarrassing to talk about because we, <laughs> a, a, a friend, a couple friends of mine, actually were playing with these up until like the eighth grade. Well, w- once we hit high school, you know, we we're getting made fun of a little bit, so we backed off. But uh, <laughs> we we had, and between me and this friend down the street, we had like hundreds of these things, like three of the wrestling rings, all the tables that would break. And it, it just, we'd get together on the weekends and, you know, just sit around and mess around. It was just so much fun to play with those. And I don't know, it's like, I, I don't really remember one that I loved. I just remember buying one like every week. Cause they're like, you know, back then toys were four or $5. So, and you can, you, I'd, I'd have my little bit of allowance. I wasn't that kid that would save his allowance up. As soon as I got it, I could spend it, you know? So, right, right. but I had, I had a ton of those toys and I had some, like from the fifth grade all the way to the eighth grade, I was playing with those things. So, it was uh that that's that's my memory. <laughs> nice, nice. Dude, I was graduating high school and still buying those toys. We'd go to the pay per view of Hence and buy them and stuff. <laughs> right, right. I, I until uh until this summer I had to sell a bunch of toys to help make the film and I had a bunch of those 
you know, obviously sealed and stuff like that, like Rocky mm-hmm. Maya Via and Stone Cold, and oh, had to awesome. sell them and stuff like that. But I still had all that stuff, yeah. so but, you know, don't but, worry about being embarrassed in the absolutely. Eighth grade, well, eighth, they they eighth were grade. sealed. Yeah. They were sealed there, right? So yeah, it, we we would actually, uh, of course, we opened them and played with them. We'd actually. I'm trying like, to have... give you an out here. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I got to get this off my chest. This one of those ten, ten <laughs> He's got the conviction. <laughs> so we would actually like uh, display them like in the rings, and we had all these belts, sure. and these were our champions, and they had this fight coming up tomorrow and I mean, we'd write down these I tournament brackets and no, oh yeah it was, it was awful so I, I got that beat Jay's gonna kill me but, but I got that okay you ready for this oh. Jay and I we talked about No Mercy earlier mm-hmm. Jay and I and a couple other buddies would actually play No Mercy but we would act it like we're the actual wrestlers and we had belts <laughs> oh. it'd be like Rock versus like Shawn Michaels or whatever and we'd get into character and we'd like push play on the CD player so like it would like interrupt the guy's speech in the show and then we'd have a match and whoever won the match got to take the belt home <laughs> oh that's awesome <laughs> that's, that sounds so like a blast league night so every every week on Sunday we'd have league night you're getting me excited again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Don't feel bad about uh, collecting toys at all. I still do it. Like I still buy Ninja Turtle toys. As a matter of fact, Lan and I we went to uh, uh, flea market about a little over a month ago, and I had a haggle with an older lady about uh, buying a few uh, Ninja Turtle toys at a reduced price. <laughs> so I still collect them and stuff. I think out of all of them, the one that stands out to me the most was uh, the first Ninja Turtle I ever got, which was. Um, the detective Donatello turtle. Uh, he had the trench coat and everything. Do you all remember that one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was in the Undercover series, and uh, I think that was in 1990 or 91. And my grandmother, she always had this tradition to where, you know, I have a sister, and uh, it was her, I think it was her fifth birthday. Or, uh, my grandmother would not only get her a gift, but she would also give me a gift. You know, I don't know if she felt like I was being left out or something, but uh yeah, it happened to be that Detective Donatello, and I just remember that being my first one, and that just kind of started the whole turtle craze for me in, I think, 1990. So that's the one. I think I still have it, but that's the one that I think I would kind of take with me, you know, for the rest of my life. That's the one I just, it's very sentimental to me, so. You know, I said I just sold basically my entire toy collection to basically help make this film, and the one toy that I did hang on to would obviously be my answer. It's a, it's a mint-on-card He-Man from 1980. So I have him and Skeletor mint on card, but I sold everything else. I had every single thing for the Ninja Turtles. I had all the Dick Tracy stuff. Um, I I had all the superpowers, all the super friends. Uh, You know, I had everything, guys. Like, everything that you can imagine. Everything, even the collector's case. Oh, nice. I mean, like, the only kind of stuff I didn't have would be, like, visionaries. I didn't have a ton of G.I. Joe and Transformers, but I had a good haul. I have a bunch of He-Man stuff now that's direct from MaddieCollector.com. They uh, feed the need and stuff like that, but I've even kind of shied away from that, kind of investing a little bit more in games nowadays, but Mm -hmm. definitely my mint on card He-Man. And on the He-Man note for collecting stuff, the the thing I do purchase from that are animation cells that they used in the show. So on my wall, I've got eight of them that were used in the show, and one of them of Skeletor signed by Lou Scheimer, who recently passed away. Wow, nice, nice. So out of the ones you did sell, which one was the hardest one for you to give up? The turtle collection was pretty hard to give oh, up because yeah. it like all went as ones. I mean, we're talking like you know the the blimp, the sewer playset. Oh, you the... had the blimp? Of course I did. Oh, I got geez. that for my birthday. Like the same year I got my Genesis. Oh, jeez, man, that was a good wow. that was a good day. Yeah, yeah, it was a great day. A great day. Well, it was a weird it's a weird family situation, but it was a great day. <laughs> I, I came out on top. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so someone might say I'm not normal. 
but I came out on time. <laughs> no, no, no. You fit in perfect with us. I don't know if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> I'm awesome. So I did, that I did get from one of my birthdays was a Donkey mm. Kong Jr. <gasps> really? With Donkey Kong Classics, actually, which had Donkey Kong Jr. on it. Nice invisible segue to what you guys want to talk about next. Speaking of which. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Donkey Kong, and now I'll get you too, Junior. I'm Donkey Kong Junior, and that's my papa. I'm trying to save him, and boy, do I need your help. Nintendo's Donkey Kong Jr., the arcade game, is now the Super Mario video game. Save your papa, huh? Save yourself first. He's chasing me with snapping jaws, and I could fall. Help Donkey Kong Jr. save his papa on your ColecoVision, Atari 2600 VCS, or Intellivision video game system. Game players everywhere, please help me save my papa. So, uh, do you guys have any memories playing this game? Uh, I'll go ahead and uh, opt out of mine. I, I never played this until this week. I've never played Donkey Kong Jr., so I have none whatsoever. I, I remember seeing the cabinet a, a few times, but I've never actually played it. So I never really played the arcade as a kid, but the, the first video game I ever rented was the Donkey Kong Classics. It had Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. on it. <laughs> and I think I rented that along with Pee Wee, Big Top Pee Wee, to watch. <laughs> Uh, it was, it was last night. I kid you not. <laughs> that was a great weekend for me. I love that weekend. I had Donkey Kong Jr. and Pee Wee. But, love uh, it. But yeah, Donkey Kong Jr. I remember thinking it was a little bit harder than, than Donkey Kong when I was younger. And we were talking about this kind of before the show started. Just the jump mechanics of, of Donkey Kong Jr. I don't know. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't jump over the stuff as well as I could with, say, Mario and, and Donkey Kong. Right. Yeah, that was my first memory of it, and I'll, I'll never forget. I was probably about four or five, and we took the game back, and I'm like, Dad, can we rent the monkey game again next week? <laughs> and he's like, well, we'll see. You have to be good. And, of course, you know, I never... I, <laughs> he wasn't I, good. I wasn't, I wasn't good. I apparently had the look of a kid who likes to start fires, so... <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't get to I didn't get to play it again, but I, I, I love how you blame the jump mechanics too. That's great. <laughs> it's, it's not the player; it's the jump mechanics. Yeah, it's it's, it's that, that's can't. all it was. Well, see, the monkey's bigger than Mario was. That's right. He can't jump high. So. Right. But yeah, that was my first experience with Donkey Kong Jr. was through classics on the on the NES. How about you, Nick? Just playing on the NES, and even then, I don't really remember it like I thought I did. So I mean, it's. <laughs> I remember Mario being a little evil in this game, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't realize how bad I stunk at the game, too. So. <laughs> how about you, Rob? I love Donkey Kong Jr. Uh, I was exposed to it on Classics as well. Just, I absolutely love the mechanics. It seems much more of a challenge. You know, maybe I said that foolishly compared to what some of our listeners would think. I think it's much more challenging than, like, Donkey Kong. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a pro at it. I just think the levels are more fun, and just there's so much more joy to navigate those levels than Donkey Kong, which is you know pretty simplistic kind of climb up the mountain. But this, you got you know elevators and springs, and you got to jump onto like the zip line kind of things, and yeah. I don't know. It just seems a lot more uh, kind of at work, and you kind of really got to strategize the chess match a little That's bit. You don't have to. You know, you don't have to worry about jump mechanics too much, I don't think. <laughs> and Jay and I always had a battle going on back and forth. He's a huge Donkey Kong fan, and I'm a huge Donkey Kong Jr. fan. That's why I was kind of really excited when Rob mentioned possibly us covering this game, because I knew nothing about it. Uh, but apparently it came out in 1982, August of 1982, and it was a direct sequel to the original Donkey Kong. Uh, it was designed by uh, Shigeru Miyamoto. 
and it was ported to so many consoles. It was ported to the 2600 in 1983, the 7800 in 1988, ColecoVision in 83, and Television in 83, the NES in 1986, Game Boy Advance in 2002, the Wii in 2006, the 3DS in 2011, that's the one I, I have along with the, the main version of it, and the Wii U just this year. So One thing I gotta say though, the cabinet is gorgeous. I love the cabinet's art, because I had seen it before, and I remember it standing out. Especially the marquee with Mario on the left, and it looks like he's been like knocked over by Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. on the right. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of funny. That it looks like they're shaking their fist at, at Mario on the marquee. And then the logo logos in the middle with in, in kind of bubble letters. Uh, they have two different variants for the cabinets. They got the upright and the cocktail cabinet. You can do a two-player option on it, but it's only one uh, simultaneously. So it's just a four-way joystick with one button. So it's a pretty simple. Uh, arcade game. Uh, well, the controls are simple. Uh, Mario is evil in this game, which I think is an interesting dynamic that they kind of do a role reversal there. Mario is the good guy along with, um, gosh, what was the name of the girl? Pauline? But see, in Donkey Kong Jr., play as... Oh, I gotta ask this. This is on my mind. Is Donkey Kong Jr. the same as Diddy Kong? No, here's what happened, no. okay? You ready for this? Oh, this ought to be good. <laughs> and I'm sure somebody else can verify this. In uh, Donkey Kong Country, Cranky Kong is Donkey Kong. And Donkey Kong in Donkey Kong Country is Donkey Kong Jr. What, really? Yeah, 100%. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, so that's why like you see Cranky Kong playing like the music box and it's the Donkey Kong theme. <laughs> and he like talks about in so, you know, the old school days they didn't need a bunch of weird kind of finagled stuff. Games were a lot simpler. Oh, that's awesome. But Cranky Kong is the original Donkey Kong. <laughs> and Boy, he's Donkey aged Kong a lot. Jr. Yeah, and, and change body size. Yeah. And Donkey Kong Jr. is the Donkey Kong you play. You actually wonder this crazy timeline, because Kong Jr. was in Super Mario Kart, right? For SNES? So yeah, in, I mean, yeah. And, so in, yeah. in Nintendo 64, it's it's Donkey Kong from Donkey Kong Country. So, but he was the only person that aged in Mario Kart series. Well, you got to remember, Donkey Kong Country was written by Rare, too, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And Miyamoto oh, yeah. has gone on the record saying he does not like what they've done you know, with those, <laughs> that franchise, but... Um, wow. Nintendo gave them kind of current blanche, so... Well, at, le at least he kind of changed his wardrobe. He went from a, a white onesie to a red tie, so... <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did like the white onesie, though. I, I did, too. I did, Something yeah. about that. But, yeah, but the cabinets, they sell from uh, $500 to $1,500. They're not that expensive, and they're very common. Um, so I would not mind owning one of these cabinets one day. I really, really enjoyed this game. Landon, you want to talk about the, the gameplay mechanics real quick? Sure. Game, uh, there's, I won't say there's four levels. I've never made it to the end. So uh, you start out, you're climbing vines instead of, you know, running up the ramps like in Donkey Kong. You're climbing vines and chains to uh, try to free your dad that Mario's captured. The first level, you're climbing up vines, you're climbing up, you're climbing over, you're climbing down and back up. The second Such a level. Visual picture you're painting. Oh, I'm <laughs> wordsmith. Uh, <laughs> Uh, climbing vines, climbing up, climbing down, climbing vines. <laughs> but that you, is uh, the game. That's the best that is. part. <laughs> it is. You're, you're just climbing vines. I know the final level where you have the keys, you climb up and you push the keys up into a lock. That was hard. When you push all the That's keys the into a lock, level. Donkey Kong's free and him and Donkey Kong Jr. basically kick Mario in the face and <laughs> kick him across the level. And... I know. That, that took me by surprise. I was like, man, Mario got laid out. The levels in between are kind of neat too. The the one that really stands out to me and it gave me the most trouble was the where you have the spring and you jump. Yeah. You have mm -hmm. to jump gaps and you have a spring and then there's a moving platform and you jump up. 
you have to grab these vines that are on a conveyor belt going back and forth. The great thing about that level, if, if right when it starts and you just automatically start running, as soon as it starts, jump on that spring as fast as you can, you can hit that first platform, like the one that's moving. Oh, nice. I, got, I, I did that on accident one time because I kept having to go all the way around the level, and that was awesome. I was like, once I figured that out, that, that level was a breeze. You gotta hit that spring right though, because if you, if you hit it too far, then you actually jump underneath the next ledge. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. And that that's one thing I, I I'm not putting down the game, but one thing I didn't like. Basically, Donkey Kong. If you fell off one little platform, even if it was like you know a foot long, further down, he died. Um, oh yeah, it's unforgiving. It, very unforgiving. This game was ridiculously hard for me, and I don't know. See, I was never very good at uh, the first Donkey Kong. That game's hard for me too. See. The first Donkey Kong stage, the very first one, I can get through, through that pretty pretty easily. But this one, this first stage here uh, the, with the vines and the, what were those, like alligators crawling down the ropes? Like, yeah, I think Donkey Kong's harder. I mean, I'm, <laughs> again, this will go back to, you know, Jay and I. Like, I can play through Donkey Kong Jr. probably like four or five times, like all four levels. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Fairly, fairly easy. Like, uh, but... Again, you know, this is a game I got when I was pretty young and just kind of played it and played it and played it. it the levels were more entertaining to me. Yeah. So I don't find it that challenging. Like, this is a game that we played at night with Todd Rogers, and they both got bored watching me play Donkey Kong Jr. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, was, it wasn't even long. I, I think I got through the game, like, twice. And they're like, okay, let's play Clax, which Todd holds the record on. So like, <laughs> it's like, let me share how it's done. <laughs> yeah, share yeah, it's done, son. Yeah. Like, all right. Donkey Kong's harder, I'd say. Yeah, you know, I, I probably... I probably agree that, you know, because Donkey Kong progresses and it gets very hard very quickly, where I think Donkey Kong Jr., it stays at roughly around the same difficulty, which is, it's pretty hard. I'd say Donkey Kong, the original, is probably harder. I mean, because yeah. I, I think if I had give, been given more time, I could get past that fourth stage in Donkey Kong Jr., you know, where you're cr climbing up both of the chains uh, and putting the keys up there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I just... Once I kinda... you get the jump mechanics down, it's... Yeah, fun. right. You know, it's very awkward. You know, it's poorly designed is what... <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. Um, but one thing I got to ask is, what do you guys think of the graphics? You know, compare in comparison to the first one. I think they're on par. They're, they're maybe a, they may be a little bit better. I like mm -hmm. the, the Donkey Kong coloring a little bit more in this one. The, the color of all the, the monkeys and apes are, yeah. are a little bit better. I like, the, I like that it's more colorful, too. Like, the levels have more color they're they just stand out more yeah that, that's kind of how i feel about it i i think donkey kong jr's a lot more colorful there's a lot of colors that kind of pop on the screen sure. in comparison to the first one but you know i guess that's to be expected with the sequel but i was very impressed with the graphics as a matter of fact i, li I like the the fruit too you know that you can get and how you can climb up these ropes and then if there's say an alligator or a bird that you know flies near the rope you can drop the fruit on them and get 800 points so that's pretty cool I definitely think uh, the graphics in DK Jr. are way better. Obviously, they had more time to play. The worlds are just more immersive, you know what I mean? Again, it's just all about level design, and they kind of knew a little bit more about the guidelines at the time. And I really enjoyed just the uh, facial expressions Donkey Kong Jr. make. If you, if you <laughs> noticed, yeah, I, I know that's weird. I, I know it's little stupid things like no, that. No, no, uh, I, I noticed it. His uh, mouth would open when he'd jump. They kind of like I don't know, it looked like Air, Jor Air Jordan or something, you know, <laughs> dunking from the free throw line. But uh, when he when you would actually go from vine to vine, you know, you could see different little animations, which I, isn't real common in era of games. So I thought that was kind of cool, added a little character to him. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know, the, the graphics kind of remind me of you know Mario Brothers. You got your especially like the tree top or the the platforms with the yeah. green and the browns yeah, and the black black background really remind me of uh, was it World Three in the first Mario. Mm -hmm. 
it really reminded me of that. So I, I thought they were great. Talk about this as a sequel to Donkey Kong, mm-hmm. graphics-wise. What do you guys think about this sequel's Donkey Kong Jr. Math? Ooh. I've never played Donkey Kong Jr. Math. Curveball. <laughs> <laughs> but Landon, I think, didn't you have that? I, I think I remember no. seeing you. Oh, never mind then. No, I was going to say, I, I had a poster that had it on it at one point, but I never had the game. Yeah, it's one of the original Black Box games. It's the only one in the Edutainment series. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he kind of so said that like he didn't series. like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just a short-lived series when it's the only game. <laughs> uh, it plays exactly like DK Jr. You basically climb up and down vines getting numbers that have to add up to an equation that's kind of given to you at oh. the beginning. Triple-digit integers, so... <laughs> um, you've got to figure out a way to make like 775, you know, oh through goodness. using all the different uh, numerical operations, addition, subtract, application. And basically on all the vines are like numbers, you know, one through nine and zero. Got to kind of make it work before the things get you. Did you have this, Rob? I didn't have it growing up, but I do have it now, though. And it's actually considered one of the more collectible uh, black box. It's pretty high up there in price. What about you, Nick? Do you ever have this one or play it? No, I've never touched it. <laughs> it's like no i stayed away from that one math is my weak point in life uh, so. me too wait wait didn't you say you were a numbers guy yeah like spreadsheet numbers no. oh okay yeah let, let, let the spreadsheet let the spreadsheet do it for me i can type in the formulas actually first of all do you guys know who had the world record for this high score we be have it at one time i'm sure it's gone now but yeah, yeah it said that yeah we we had it then it said that uh Mark Keel has since eclipsed the previous world record with a score of 1,307,000. I got that all wrong. (laughs) See, I'm not Not a a guy. (laughs) So how did you guys do? So, Lan, we'll start with you. What was your... How far did you get, and what was your score? I made it to level three, I think, and I had a score of around 20,000. Okay, nice. You you already beat me. I I made it to uh, level... I don't know how I made it to level four and got a lower score than you did. (laughs) (laughs) But, I died yeah. a lot and waited on the little <laughs> things to, to get the bonus points. Yeah, I made it to uh, the double chains. I guess that, that is level four, right? I made it there, and I finally died. I only had about 19,000. I did not do well at this game at all. I got all the way through all four levels and then made it to the second level on the second time around. Ended up getting, uh, what, about 36,300 points. So. Nice, nice. Now, Rob, you're going to make us really look bad, but what's the highest score you've ever made on this, man? I have no idea. I've never really kept track of scores, and honestly, I didn't get a chance to play this leading up, so I'm going to let you guys be the hero in the spotlights. I win! Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, enjoy it. I will, I'll, I'll maybe kind of throw it in today and message you guys what my high score was. Please, yeah, yeah, we can, we can edit it in so we can take sure, Nick's victory away. Oh, dude. <laughs> All right, guys, so the question we've been waiting for. Let's see, Nick, we'll start with you, man. Which one do you prefer, the original Donkey Kong or Donkey Kong Jr.? After playing Donkey Kong Jr. again, I definitely like Jr. better. Um, really? It, yeah, and it has what I love about old arc, arcade games. It, there's a sense of like panic sometimes, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. It, and I, I love that because if you're at the arcade, of course you're losing money. You're putting quarters in trying to get your highest score you can. But mm-hmm. even on the, I was playing the NES port in preparation for the podcast, and only having a, a certain few lives and trying to get there, and you know just barely missing some of the platforms, or you know coming up and down the vines trying to avoid those alligator things it's there is a there's a sense of panic that i don't feel in current gen games because mm-hmm. you got infinite lives and infinite continues and i really it's weird that i say i enjoy the panic but it just it, it really just gets, <laughs> gets me intense into the game so i i think it, as a as an arcade game it absolutely holds up oh awesome awesome well how about you rob definitely dk jr still 
Jay, you can argue with me later. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, the, the colors, the graphics, the challenge of, of the levels. It doesn't have the steep uh, curve of difficulty that Donkey Kong will bring on, but it mm -hmm. still does get progressively challenging. Mm -hmm. um, and I find that there are m like many, many challenges within every level, and that's kind of a good driving factor that uh, keeps me wanting to go back and play that. You know what, guys? I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go with you. I definitely. The hat trick. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Hat trick. <laughs> yep. I have to go with Donkey Kong Jr. After playing it today, or at playing it this week, I, I definitely want to go back and keep on playing it for the same reasons you guys mentioned. It seems like the gameplay is is uh, a little bit more varied. It seems like the colors really pop, and I don't know. I just thought it was a cool game, and I think out of the two, I prefer Donkey Kong Jr. So, so. Uh, all right. Sweet. We yeah. swept. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by the way, listeners, Landon, uh, we lost him, but um, he, he said Donkey Kong Jr. too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So if you have any feedback or questions for us, you can send us an email at theretrojunkies at theretrojunkies.com. And we ask that you please join our forums at www.theretrojunkies.com. And check out our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash theretrojunkiesupershow. And our Turtle Flakes page, which is facebook.com slash turtleflakespodcast. Some podcast called the 90s Entertainment Show. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not humble or anything, but uh, <laughs> it's at uh, facebook.com slash podcast. Uh, check out Old School Games. That's our friend Jeff's site at facebook.com slash oldschoolgamesareus. And Rob, would you please do the next one? Sure. It's uh, this little awesome independent film that's coming out that's going to revolutionize the way we think about collecting in the <laughs> NES. He's humble, too. Very. <laughs> and objective. Um, it's called the NES Club. It's directed by a guy who likes Donkey Kong Jr., evidently, and sold his toy collection to make it happen. Please check out the trailer. Uh, you can see it on nesclubmovie.com and follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the NES Club. Rob, uh, dude, we thank you so much once again for being on the show. and you, You're just a class act man we, we i definitely feel like we're kindred spirits and uh i wish you the best of luck on uh the nes club documentary and hopefully we'll talk at least once or twice uh before before it comes out just thank you for being on the show man that was awesome it's it's a blast it really is i have a lot of fun doing this stuff and you know the more that you guys want me on here that's great i don't i think for some reason the sarcasm quotient goes up a little bit with me on, on board i don't know if that's good <laughs> that's, that's good awesome. i kind of feel a little bad here and there but well guys i enjoyed it so we hope you have a good day and good gaming that uh, New Jersey accent. <laughs> the Jersey smooth. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> smooth like Jersey. Jersey Off the top of the rock. Hello and good morning. Uh, we're here with... Ah, uh, Toby. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I better get out. <laughs> Whatever that thing is. Yeah, I've never given it. Our team. Pork chop sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, should we get into Donkey Kong Jr.? <laughs> wow, you guys sound really pumped up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't need to talk about my toys. It's okay. Oh, Rob, I'm so sorry. It's Nick's fault. And the, object the, the objective is that the player can... Um, gosh, I can't read my own writing. Sweet. Uh, I guess we'll go ahead and uh, uh, wrap this up then. Sorry to you know, keep you guys on for so long. All right, guys. Oh, I figured now my phone goes off. Hang on. Sorry. <laughs> Trying to listen real close. See if someone embarrassed.
he, he went off one time, landed an hour talking, and he recorded the whole thing and stuck it in the bloopers. <laughs>